Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> How are you all doing today? Great. We were we were yeah, yeah, talking, uh, our pre-show was all about uh, how uh, you uh, experience uh, your lovemaking from your point of view <laughs> and how, how we imagined... Uh, the other person uh, involved experiences uh, your motion of Congress uh, <laughs> and what their impression was. That was our pre-show warm-up. Was uh, discussion of uh, John's uh, really yes yes. Had you seen something on the bathroom wall or something that gave you this idea? Or no, this is just based uh, pretty much on knowing you and yeah, knowing yeah. knowing the rest of the world. No, I see, I see. Yeah, John, maintenance already painted over that part on the bathroom wall. Don't worry. Right. Good. You'll yeah. have to bring your sharpie again and do it again. <laughs> Draw those pictures. Ah, uh, here, guys, ever see the movie The World's End? Yes. That was that was very funny. And, and kind of odd, but uh, quite funny. That you were going to somehow relate it to something. It's just apropos. Of no, nothing. I mean, well, you know, the whole the his, I saw um, the butler last night. That was pretty oh. good too. <laughs> no, I was thinking of uh, Simon Pegg's um, forays into the bathroom in that movie. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, where but, you like tear somebody's head off? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> With blue. Yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of blue. Uh, how about our awesome uh, blue uh, brothers at uh, brothers and sisters at uh, northernbrewer.com, Huh? Hey, yeah. yeah. King of the segways, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how about them Packers? Uh, yeah, Northern Brewer. They're up near the Packers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I bet you there's some Packer fans there. The Brews Brothers or Blues Brothers or yeah. Yes, Northern but, Brewer. Uh, yeah, northernbrewer.com. Those folks, good products, good prices, good service. Absolutely everything you could need, and uh, and uh, check them out. They've been sponsoring the show for a long time, paying for it, so you don't have to. So at least you do. Go to their site, check it out, uh, tell them how much you appreciate that they've uh, taken care of us for eight long years or however long it's been. Yeah, oh, they no. got a good technical service section too. You can call them up and ask some questions. Right, and this isn't a Northern Brewer sponsored show. This is Blickman Engineering. That's right. God. See, I go off of my notes, and my notes are incorrect. <laughs> Who's passing your notes, Jamil? <laughs> Me. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I, I suppose John Blickman, uh, yeah, I bet you he's, uh, speaking of blue, how about that yeah. John Blickman? <laughs> it's cold out there right now. 
Yeah, yeah. I bet you yeah. At least some parts of his anatomy are blue. Yeah. Uh, more snow than they've seen in that part of the country in, you know, 12 months. Um. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. Well, check them out. Blickman Engineering. Uh, like I said before, BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, and talk know, about technical service, too. Yeah, right. And you know who carries Blickman Engineering is Northern Brewer. So uh, <laughs> go to, go to Northern Brewer and buy some Blickman Engineering gear and get me out of this mess. Yeah. There you go. Well, that brings up a good point, though, Jamil, is that uh, you know you can order um, Blickman Engineering products from uh, almost every uh, homebrew shop across the country. Um, they all can order, yep. and your order will be drop shipped to you directly to you. Have so, you got a homebrew so, shop worth its salt? They should yep. be uh, able to order you Blickman Engineering, if not carry, actually carrying some in house. That's right. So you can look at it and check it out. Oh. I've been to a number of shops in the last couple of weeks that uh, actually have uh, Blickman uh, equipment in the store and that they actively brew on. So um, if you haven't been to your local homebrew shop, it's a good time to check it out. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we're uh, we're excited to uh, have them as a sponsor for since the beginning of the show, or pretty much since the beginning of the show. Yep. All right. So today, <laughs> we've talked about all our sponsors. Um <laughs> We're going to uh, be doing a live Q&A show. We're going to be talking about hops. So if people listen to the show, they can send in their uh, questions. Uh, Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. And if you got a, a question for the Q&A, you go ahead and label the Q&A, and we'll, we'll get that in. We're, we're kind of grouping the topics together, so we're doing hops today. Uh, next show will be uh, about sour beers, so it uh, makes it a little easier for you to find the information you're looking for. Yep, we try to be organized here. We try. And the problem is I'm just not drinking today, and that's that's uh-huh. really kind of got me down, I think. That's that's holding me down. You saving up for tomorrow? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. If last year was any uh, any indication, the uh, Winter Brews Fest, I'm, I'm getting my drink on. Yeah, and, uh, there you go. I'll have quite a time. It's, it should be an incredible event. Thousands and thousands of people, but lots and lots of space, lots and lots of breweries. I think that's the kind of way you want it, where it's spread out enough, you're not jam-packed, and you got enough breweries so you can keep going around all day long. Should be fun. All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we will uh, get right to the questions after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weld thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. 
More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. When you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite Bare Bones Club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. During that break, we were talking about uh, interesting ABC laws and uh, how they might affect somebody starting up some some beer place. Yeah, I know, some bar somewhere. <laughs> Whatever. In Concord. As, as if there aren't enough of those already, you know what right, I'm saying? right. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting uh, how the laws are interpreted sometimes and, and how they may affect you. But, uh, you know, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. That's true. So I guess it must be easy because pretty much everybody's doing it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, we love a challenge. That's the thing. We do. Speak for yourself. Yeah. I like <laughs> it all easy, I, you know. Uh, speaking of, uh, speaking of uh, uh, sexual uh, things. I like it easy. Mm. Easier the better. Yeah, it was like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> like a moving target or? <laughs> sure, that too. No lube? I mean, what kind of challenge are you talking about? 
<laughs> offline. Offline. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So for, first question, uh, what do we got here from uh, from our Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com email address? Uh, this is from Dave from Sydney, Australia. Hey, boys. How they hanging? I guess that's how they say it in Australia. Uh, can you talk me through the best uh, time to dry hop a lager? I was thinking during the diacetyl rest, uh, whilst I have the beer at warmish temperature in the primary rather than when cold in the secondary during the lagering phase. Only downside I see is not being able to harvest clean yeast for repitching on another beer. For the record, uh, I freeball when dry hopping. Uh, that is no hop sack. Cheers. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of theories in there on dry hopping, and a lot of them apply to ales. Because a lot of guys, they talk about dry hopping around 62 degrees Fahrenheit. Some people say warmer, some people say colder. I guess, you know, uh, diacetyl rest uh, with a lager, you're probably getting up to about that temperature, uh, you know, during a diacetyl rest. So that might be a good time yeah. for that respect. And, and yeah... Um, you know, as far as harvesting yeast, uh, yeah, you you end up with a big mess if you're uh, just going to commando on the uh, the hops there. Uh, so that could be an issue for you. But uh, hmm. I I guess um, contact time versus temperature. I mean, longer for colder. Um, to get the same amount of extraction out of the of the oils, um, sure. I would think though that the colder you go, you'd almost have more, well, potent, potentially more chance for the, to uh, for the oils and alpha to you know stick to the stick to the sides. I mean, they wouldn't. I, w- I don't. I don't sure. What I'm trying sure. to say is right, right. the what little what little um, solubility there is. To get them into your beer at that point may decrease if you keep going colder. Mm-hmm. So yeah, during the diastolus would probably be uh, advisable, or or heck, wait until and wait until your um, lagering period is over mm-hmm. and let the beer warm up and then do it. Right, right. Yeah, that might be another another aspect to it. Uh, somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were going on about. Uh, how a cold dry hop that uh, somebody, they were talking about a brewery that uh, chilled their beers way down and dry hopped really cold, like in the in the 30s, uh, hmm. when they were cold crashing and all that and, and carbonating and all that, and they would dry hop then, and that the, the dry hop character was very grassy, and they're getting a lot more grassy. And I wonder about that because you wouldn't think you would get more grassy just from that. But what you just yeah. said, John, kind of kind of made me think, well, if you're not getting the solubility of those oils, which is really what you want from the dry hop, not the, the leafy part, right. you want those oils to, to dissolve. I mean, maybe there are some compounds in the, in the hop matter that uh, does still extract at the lower temperature. You're getting less solubility of the oils, and you're ending yep. up with. Uh, yeah, I mean that that's an interesting uh, possibility there, and maybe they're adding in a lot more because they're not getting quite the aromatics that, that they too. intended. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know. I don't really know, but uh, it is interesting. The well, the other thing about uh, dry hopping when there's still a lot of yeast in suspension, there's a, a couple of theories there. One is that because the yeast are still active. 
any oxygen that you're adding to the beer because the hops uh, contain some oxygen in them, the pellets and all that. Yeah. Uh, you're adding some oxygen. Um, the still active yeast will consume that, that oxygen you know, quickly and it will be less of an issue. The, uh, the counter to that is there's a lot more yeast surface area floating around in there and those oils will be uh, uh, attached to, to the to the yeast cells and so you'll you'll lose more of it that way so you know it's kind of one or the other I've always gone with uh, let the yeast drop out first uh, dry hop around six the low 60s Fahrenheit um, and you know whatever oxygen gets in do your best to minimize oxygen but the amount that gets in uh, the yeast take it up still it's you know i don't think you know it's not that much oxygen and yeast will scavenge oxygen really quickly so that's that's how i've gone yep sounds good there you go here's your answer all right next one is from jonathan west gentlemen i've been homebrewing a little while now extract kits only from northern brewer and i've decided i want to try and make uh a uh, clone beer of a local brewery here in columbus south carolina uh conquest brewery it's called uh, they have a blonde ale that they have started dry hopping, and it's wonderful. That being said, they haven't really given out the recipe, so I'm going to attempt to make one. Uh, I have decided to go with a blonde ale kit uh, that Northern Brewer makes called Lefse Blonde. My question is, what would be a good hop to dry hop with uh, that would pair well with the boil hops that come with the kit? Those are Hersbrucker. Appreciate the feedback. Thanks. Oh, well... It kind of. I wonder what yeast he's using. Um, right, and that was my thought too. Is this like a Belgian blonde? Because uh, yeah, that's the that's sounds, the name sounds, sounds like, like the it? the kit would be like a Belgian blonde. It's, is it because Lefse is yeah. kind of like Lefe? Right. Mm. Yeah. So I'd wonder about that. But if he uses Cal Ale instead, yeah. Um, either way, yeah, then it'd be an American blonde and and dry hopping with uh, well, anything you know, if you want to do Cascade. Um, South Carolina. I kind of wonder if it is an if it is an American blonde as opposed to a Belgian. L- let's assume it's it's American just for the sake because he didn't say Belgian anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and you know, I, I think either way, if it's if it's American, you can go with pretty much any hop you want, and I wouldn't worry about the Hersbrucker for the you know for the kit. You could use any bittering hop and go from right. there the Hersbrucker is you know because they're doing like a more of a belgian style with that kit and that's really the hops that go in it if you're doing that kit and you want to be a little more hoppy you know and have kind of a a light spicy uh floral noble hop presence you could go with more Hersbrucker uh late in the in the boil you can go with maybe uh, you know, Hollow Tower, a little Saz, you know, American variety, maybe some Liberty or yeah, Liberty's nice, something I've like that, that would be a, could be nice. But I wouldn't go over the top with that. If you're looking for something a little different or a little more Americanized, I'd go with something uh, kind of uh, uh, you know uh, light citrusy, um, or maybe something like a Sriracha or you know with that kind of lemony character to it or maybe uh some amarillo oh, yeah, nice. uh or maybe you could go uh you know some australian hops um we just used australian summer hops in a beer and yeah this great melon character i really loved it um you know something like that might be interesting as well 
Is the only difference, because you said, oh, well, what if he just uses uh, the Belgian yeast versus the, the Cal Ale? Mm-hmm. So you could have the exact same recipe, and you just pitch a Belgian yeast, and now it's a Belgian golden. Yeah. Or if you use 001, now it's an American blonde. That's yeah. the only difference. Uh, you know, for the for the best beer possible, not necessarily. But, it, you know, either way, it's going to make a respectable version of one or the other. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you could make 10 gallons and pitch one yeast in one and one in the other and now you got an American blonde and or a Belgian blonde. Yeah. It is a pretty big pretty big differentiator. Mm-hmm. What about this hop Hersbrucker? Is that common? I don't think I've heard that one yet. Yeah. Um uh, uh, Mitch mentioned it on uh when we did the last uh, Brewing with Style. Oh. As uh one of his favorites. Uh you know, German uh you know, a traditional German hop. Good yeah. you know, kind of floral spicy. All right, next one is from uh, Dennis Corner. I was listening to the dry hopping podcast the other day, and I had a question about oxidizing your beer while dry hopping. In the show, you mentioned that just dry hops directly into the carboy will cause slight oxidation, and I'm confused as to why. I always assumed there would be a decent amount of CO2 sitting on top of the beer after I rack it into a secondary before dry hopping. I assume that even the most careful racking process will degas the beer a touch. Degas? Is that right? Degas. Degas? Degas. Uh, yeah. I, I understand that this is not a huge issue, just more curious than anything. So yeah, so if he racks if he racks the beer, he's going to lose some CO2. It's going to bubble out. You're going to get a little bit of uh, CO2 headspace on top of the beer, you know, a little bit of a blanket. But, um, you know, when you put in, especially if you put in uh, leaf hops for dry hopping, you're going to get a fair amount of, you know, air bubbles sticking to them as you, when you push them through that blanket into the into the beer, and uh, so yeah, you will introduce air and therefore oxygen into the beer at that point when you dry hop. Um, pellets, you know, kind of work better in that regard. Uh, less oxygen carry uh, carry in. Um, other brewers, uh, some commercial brewers, recommend making a, uh, a hop slurry to really minimize oxygen going into your beer. But, you know, like Jamil, you just said a minute ago, I mean, um, in, the, in the previous question, I mean, a little bit of oxygen, a little bit of oxygen, yeast will tend to pick it up too. So mm-hmm. not a huge deal. Right. Generally. Yeah. If you're, if you're getting oxidation from dry hopping, then you're doing something wrong. I think, you know, you should be able to minimize the impact of that. You know, it's more that you're getting your, you're probably picking up more oxygen when you're, you know, especially bottling uh, or, yeah, you know, s- right. sometimes kegging. You can get some oxidation there. Um, You know, uh, if you're keeping everything cold, though, you know, staling should be minimal. Oxidation should be minimal. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to avoid oxidation. And then on the dry hopping, uh, what we do at Heretic is we've got some buckets. We... You know, gas them with CO2, run CO2 into them, measure our hops into them, and let them sit there, you know, with CO2 and blow the CO2 through them, uh, you know, for a while and try and drive out any additional oxygen that's in there just to minimize it, you know, as much as we can. But, uh, you know, you know me, I'm all anal about everything, but that, eh, it's, you know, that's fine. It's good yeah. enough. You know, it's not going to be that you really anymore. do? Yeah. Let's uh, take another another break, break. and uh, when we come back, we'll get back to your questions right after this. 
is a public service announcement. <laughs> hey, dude, I think there's... Uh, <laughs> What's wrong? You don't look so good. There's, <coughs> there's something wrong with your beard. It's making everyone sick. <laughs> don't let your beer make your loved ones ill. Proper cleaning and sanitation is the key to avoiding puke on your shoes. But I used an all-in-one. Cleaning and sanitizing cannot be done in a one-step process. No cleaner can sanitize and no sanitizer can clean. The amazing chemists at Five Star Chemicals have your solution. Clean with BBW and sanitize with Starzab. Fantastic! Your friends and loved ones will thank you. Five Star products are available at fine homebrew shops near you and online. Put your best beer forward with Five Star Chemicals. Your one stop for the cleanest two-step solution. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Law. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha acids. <laughs> yes, J.P. Law. We will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power. Lickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to Enjoy a pint? Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones, no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Brewers, anyone can resell homebrew equipment and recipe clone kits. Get original at Adventures in Homebrewing. Adventures in Homebrewing has the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipe kits that you'll love. Home of the Serial Killer Grain Mill, 220,000 BTU propane burners, custom stainless steel false bottoms, as well as custom-built brew stands and systems. These are just some of the items Adventures in Homebrewing designs and manufactures in-house. And the brewers at Adventures in Homebrewing keep designing, too. Original extract and 
all-grain recipe kits that are tried and tested and proven to be of the best quality. Most popular are the Blueberry Tangerine Porter, the Nor'easter Cranberry Fest, and the Peanut Butter Conspiracy Stout. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing's original recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And don't forget to use the coupon code BIG10 when you place your order to save 10%. That's coupon code BIG10, B-I-G-T-E-N. Visit Adventures in Homebrewing at homebrewing.org right now and get original today. Homebrewing.org. Join the adventure. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, hops. Hops Q&A. All these questions came in on uh, the email address, brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. I swear, eventually we will get to every single one of them. That's right. <laughs> We're working on it. Uh, and, and the numbers are starting to, to dwindle at least a little bit. There's probably yeah. only 500 that we haven't answered. <laughs> But a lot of them are in the same vein, so we're yeah, as yeah, we yeah. answer them, other people's questions are being answered right, as well. Right. Yeah, and if we don't get to your question right away, it doesn't mean it wasn't a good question. We're trying to group them together, and uh, and the cool thing is, if you had that question, I guarantee a hundred other people had the same question too. So it's your your questions are helpful. So next one is from Kirk Holt. Hello, my BN brethren. I'm a little confused about my fermentation schedule when dry hopping. From what you guys have taught me, I usually ferment my ales starting at 62 to 65 and finish higher, about 68 to 70. Now if I am going to dry hop, I have heard to add the pellets when fermentation is 90 to 95% complete, but at this point, all my yeast is still in there. Uh, What is the correct way to dry hop if I also want to repitch my yeast? Uh, I would like to copy the process used by the commercial micros if possible. P.S. I have a conical and I hate hop bags. Thanks and cheers. Yeah, you know, the way the commercial brewery does it is um, not every commercial brewery, but uh, my commercial brewery, which is, <laughs> I'm just copying what, you know, a lot of other commercial breweries do, is uh, uh, we, uh, you know, pitch the yeast to another batch, um, you know, partway through the process, and then, um, you know, we, we drop the yeast and, and dry hop. So we get our yeast out of there. Um, you know, so the in other words, the yeast in suspension in the beer when you dry hop is not a problem, right? You know, it just depends on how much there is. You don't want it, you know, full on cloudy fermenting. I mean, yeah. like he says, you know, ninety percent through fermentation. I wouldn't do it then. I'd wait until it's done with fermentation. And the way I did as a home brewer is I'd wait until fermentation was done. The bulk of the yeast had dropped, and the and the beer started to look clear. Uh, and then, if I wanted that yeast, I'd harvest that yeast. You know, I'd transfer the beer over to our secondary fermenter, uh, harvest the yeast, and I'd add my dry hops to the other fermenter. Mm-hmm. Or so, a keg, as the case may be. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, usually I would dry hop in a keg. But isn't it fair to say, Jamil, that in it, I mean, the the reasons commercial brewers do things the way they do is not necessarily because it's the best way for dry hopping, for mm-hmm, instance, mm-hmm. but also that necessity plays a large part in that. 
Oh, yeah. Um, Cost, timing, uh, all that is the biggest yeah. reason things are done in a commercial brewery. A lot of times homebrewers think, oh, that's because that's, that's the best way to do it. It's like, no, that's pretty much how we have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as far as if he's got a home conical, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, you know, and that's one thing Blickman told me, too, in the use of a conical is, you know, you can drop, I mean, even three days after fermentation started, mm-hmm. there's going to be a buildup of yeast in the cone, and you can drop some of that yeast then, mm-hmm. wait a couple more days, drop some more, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, you don't have to wait till fermentation is completely done to drop that, try to get that plug out of there. Right. Uh, you can yeah. do a little bit of time. A couple of things. You know, one is, um, yeah, the yeast that's buried in the cone, that's not actually doing anything. You can get that yeast out of there. Yeah. The surface layer of the yeast at the bottom, that is still active and, you know, uh, quite helpful. You don't necessarily want to get rid of that, but... If you get a big slug of yeast building up at the bottom, you can drop that. Um, if you want to repitch, and our our, our uh, person that wrote in, uh, he was asking about repitching, then you really want to kind of get that middle layer. If you drop, and then the the yeast that you get when you drop your yeast early and when you drop your yeast late, it's not quite the same yeast, though, because it's yeast that settled out at different times, and you want right. that yeast that's kind of in the middle. You don't want the yeast that flocculated really early because those aren't going to attenuate a beer well enough. So that's where you toss those. They they tend to die early. They tend to be um, uh, low attenuating. Uh, the ones in the middle are just about right. The ones, the very last ones, if you harvest those and keep repitching those, your yeast becomes dusty. It tends to stay in solution a lot longer, and eventually it gets to a point where it won't settle out at all. And... Uh, it tends to over attenuate, so you want we want that middle section for repitching. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, if he's got the conical, he could go ahead and, and do the same thing that we're doing, which is drop a little bit of the yeast, then s- harvest the yeast in the middle into you know a clean clean bottle or or container, and then uh, he could drop the rest and dump the rest and then he could uh, dry hop that'd be the way i'd do it i guess how do you know when it when it stops being the middle and starts being toward the uh ones that attenuate too much experience <laughs> yeah you have to you know because you can't see into the fermenters which is one one of the great advantages of carboys or better bottles you can see what's going on how much you have of something and how how far the beers progress without that in, in stainless you have to take readings and just know when it's gonna you know and the reason it works commercially is because you're brewing the same beer every week you know and you're constantly doing it over and over and you know what the numbers should be uh you know in homebrew you're changing the recipe every week and so you don't know what the numbers should be and so you you just got to kind of guess is there a such thing as a, a glass conical um, there's plastic ones, but they're a bit, they're kind of, you know, opaque. Um, why is that? It kind of seems like a, a natural fit. You can, you have the visual and you still have the conical shape. Yeah. You know, um, it would have to be made from probably a clear, a clear plastic of some kind. I mean, somebody could make them. Um, I don't know. Polycarbonate how would probably work. Yeah. Polycarbonate. Um, 
But the reason they make it for metal is they can, you know, they can form those cones from a sheet of metal. Whereas, well, in polycarbonate, I think they can even do the same thing. Uh, polycarbonate is one of those things. You can even bend it in a uh, in a metal uh, break, in a uh, you know, like they use for bending sheet metal. Well, I feel like yeah, there's thermoplastic. Yeah, I feel like there's uh, there's some pretty talented glass blowers out there. I'm not going to say how I know that, but I feel like I've seen <laughs> right. you know tape. they can make these complex bongs yeah. and dildos and things. They could certainly make uh, make a you know a, a conical. Why not? I'll tell you if you're looking for a complex glass dildo. <laughs> Uh, I got a place for you to go. Uh, AdamandEve.com. Our fine sponsors. Fine sponsor, yeah, yeah. They've got uh, uh, a wide selection of uh, great adult uh, items there. You can check them out, AdamandEve.com. And if you use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, for a limited time only, they're going to give you uh, three free adult DVDs with your order. You buy one item, they give you 50% off of that. So you buy the the complex glass dildo, 50% off. Then you're going to get the three free DVDs, and you get to choose from uh, genres such as anal, amateur, Asian, big breast, big butts, bisexual, chunky, coeds, fetish, gay, interactive, POV, lesbian, mills, etc. And, and uh, then you're going to get a free extra gift so central I can't mention it, and free shipping on the whole thing. So pretty incredible. You buy one item, half off. Then you get the three free DVDs, you get the free gift, and you get free shipping. All you've done is paid for the one half price item. So. Pretty cool. Check them out, uh, adamandeve.com, and you can uh, even do them on your mobile phone, adamandeve.com. Use the code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at checkout. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, glass, glass, uh, <laughs> I, I, I would wonder how, you know. From you a know, materials point of view, I, you know. possible I mean, how dangerous it would be. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> It wouldn't be any less dangerous than any glass carboy, which is to say kind of still dangerous. But right, it right. just seems like someone – I can't be the first person to have thought of that. Right, right. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I would think it's possible. I think, uh, you know, yeah, somebody, somebody's bound to do it eventually, I would think. All right, this next one's from uh, Daniel Patamaki. He said, hey, guys, just wanted to ask why pelletized dry hops only drop out when you start chilling, leaving long times out of the equation. Uh, is this just to do with the CO2 being absorbed at a lower temp uh, that was otherwise keeping the particles up there? Uh, I've been doing a fair old amount of dry hopping and have been swirling daily uh, to both purge CO2 and have noticed that the hops will hang around but drop the temp and they fall straight out. Cheers from Dan. Yeah, I, hmm. I, I, I wouldn't uh, you know, think it was anything other than CO2 that was uh, escaping the liquid, holding the... Yeah. Sticking to them. Pops up. Um, and chilling, you know, the solubility of the CO2 increases, and so more stays in solution, and the hops probably just don't have anything to continue lifting them up. But the hops themselves are not acting in any way based on temperature, I would think. Um, if anything, you know, the denser the solution, the, the colder it is, the longer it's going to take for a particle to settle out. Right? True. True. They're not. But I think it's, yeah, it's probably the fact that carbon dioxide doesn't nucleate, on, nucleate onto the small particles mm-hmm. of the pellets is easily at colder temperatures. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, here's one from uh, Dave Rorarty. Uh He said, uh, when uh, replicating a recipe with hops of different alpha acids, 
The 60 and 90 minute adjustments are simple to scale using Rager formula. Rager. Rager formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, or scaling alpha acids, I think, and dry hops are easy. Ignore alpha acid differences. Uh, but here's the question. Any rules of thumb uh, for the hops added 30 minutes and less? Assuming bitterness and flavor are important, do we split the difference uh, or just trial and error until we like the taste? I know testing is best, but hoping for your hot, sweaty thoughts on the topic. So going from a, he's going from a 60-minute boil to a 90-minute boil and wants to know how to adjust his hop schedule. Yeah, I think it's the, he wants to know the rules of thumb for the hops added 30 minutes and less. Okay, so the rule of thumb is boil 30 minutes and then start your hop schedule that's 60 throughout. Yeah. So everything stays the same as a 60-minute boil. You're just boiling for 30 minutes before you start that process of adding hops. Why is it that they even tell you to put them in in the beginning like that? Because I, I did that when I kicked your ass in the Black IPA challenge. <laughs> I used your own advice against you. But yeah, I mean, because right, it gets uh, too much bitterness extracted if you boil it for that long. Right. Is that the problem? So why is it that they tell you to do that? Um, you know, you can drop in uh, you know, a couple of pellets or something early in the boil because it helps... Um, coagulate some of the proteins you know make break form so you don't boil over things like that so that's one of the reasons people tend to to say to do that um but uh yeah i've never you know the longer you boil your hops i think the worse they taste they just get worse and worse and worse i like you know throwing all the hops in towards the end and uh get enough so you get enough bitterness and it's a it's a it's still just as bitter but it's a gentler bitter (laughs) I mean, you measure IBUs with uh, you know spectrophotometry, and you get same IBUs, but you're you're getting a um, it's a different character because the hops it becomes sharper and more biting the longer you boil them. I think, and uh, there's you know some amount of that you want. You want your hops to have some some bitterness to them, but. Um, you know, you you overboil them, and I think you can end up with something uh, not so great. So, yeah, it depends yeah, on how much you get. You, you get more more isomerization with time, but you also get more degradation with time. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if they uh, they change the, the instruction sets that come with your generic uh, kit mm-hmm. uh, from your shop, then uh, would we see a, a change just for the better? sweeping change in homebrew if if people just did not add hops for the first 30 minutes of the boil uh no no i think uh the only sweeping change you'll see is if they can convince everybody to uh make a starter and to temperature control the fermentation that would make a sweeping change yeah all right this next one's from uh jeremiah eldridge uh, hi, I'm growing Centennial, Pearl, and EKG in my backyard, uh, and my Centennial look like they are starting to get ripe. Uh, with such fresh hops, I'd like to wet hop, but I'm not sure how to do it. So there's a few questions. Uh, when should I pick them and brew? What kind of additional flavors, aroma am I going to get? Um, and how do I avoid the uh, grassy flavors that can come along with the wet hopping? So the last one is don't okay. wet hop. Yeah. <laughs> You don't pick them any earlier to wet hop than you do normal dry hopping or normal hopping. Mm-hmm. The the hops still need to be mature. We're watching them 
you know, watching them on the vine, uh, you're, they're going to go from a, very, a soft, bright green to a less bright green and a little more papery feeling. Um, you're going to, if you wait another couple of days, you'll notice the aroma when you, you know, get up close to them and smell them. It's going to become a little stronger because the, it's during those last week or so weeks of being on the vine that they develop the majority of their oils. So the longer you leave them on the vine, they're going to develop more oils, but then you're, you're going to start losing alpha as well. Um, it's because it's going to oxidize. So there's, in terms of that, that picking window that hop growers like, um, you're still going to want to look for that window, that, that ideal compromise of the cone um, maturing, getting a little more and more papery feeling, a little bit drier, and the aroma, the aroma getting stronger, but not turning brown and so on and starting to fall apart. That's when you pick it. Normally, then, they are dried uh, for storage. If you're going to wet hop, you would simply put them in your beer at that point and rather than going through the kiln drying process. That's the only difference. This guy does say uh, toward the end of it, it's a long message, uh, and he said he's listened to basically all the Bruce Strong shows, but he can't find any about wet hopping. He did find one show six years ago with, <laughs> with Colin Kaminsky, and I think that was the session because he said it was Bevo's first show moderating the chat room. But uh, he said there's been a major increase in understanding the compounds involved with hop flavor and aroma, and an update would be helpful. But are you saying regardless of what people think they've found out, it's still just a bad idea to wet hop? No, I'm not saying it's a bad idea to wet hop. Uh, it, it's um, it's a good idea, you know, if you like that character. But his question was, how do you avoid kind of the grassy, wet, uh, you know, kind of vegetal uh, character? And that's just part of wet hopping, I think. You yeah. Know? Um, that's you could, one thing the kilning process drives off. It drives off mm-hmm. those highest volatiles and the moisture that tends to give the chlorophyll mm-hmm. taste. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's a that's a big part of it. Um, if you get rid of that, I think uh, that you know. But if you like it, and I I like a good wet hop beer, I, you know I enjoy it. So, but it is different, and I can understand why a lot of people would not like it. Um, but I think we we should do a whole show on wet hopping. Yeah, we should get some industry experts in on that to be good. Right, and I was thinking we should do a whole show on uh, growing your own hops. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be a good one too, or a series of shows. Mm-hmm. Is there? There's a difference between a, f- a fresh hop beer and a wet hop, or is that what that means? Are the are the terms interchangeable? Well, well, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I believe it's Sierra Nevada that distinguishes like celebration is a fresh hop beer. That's what it's I was thinking once of, yeah. a year. The hops are fresh from the grower. They've been kilned, baled, and then they go ahead and, uh, you know, brew the beer uh, with it. Uh, and then they also do a harvest ale, which is a, a wet hop beer. And so that is actually hops before they're kilned. So you do both. All right. Next one from uh, Mark Robinson. Uh, hey, guys, just listen to the podcast about double dry hopping. In it, Jamil says that he and Tasty always recommend a 90-minute boil. Since many recipes give hopping schedules based on 60-minute boils, uh, can you tell me how to adapt that to a 90? 
do you just boil for 30 minutes and then start the regular hop schedule or start at 90 and spread it out at different intervals? Oh, sounds like the same question we had before. It does. Is the you picked them. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I had five minutes <laughs> earlier today. Um, yeah, you know, it's the same essential question. That's kind of answers it, too. You know, boil that 30 minutes yep. and then start your schedule from there. You should be good. That's, I wonder, do you think that's another change they should make to those instruction kits for the for the beginners is just to stop doing 60 and start telling them to do 90? Um, well, you don't boil extract kits for 90 minutes. I used to. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people, people uh, it, it, I guess it depends on how you're boiling. People uh, assume that there's a huge amount of darkening and, and such like that. Uh, that goes on in the boil and really the darkening that's happening that I think people see and say, oh, wow, it's really coloring up my work. is because it's concentrating it, um, not because it's actually developing any, any sort of compounds. I mean, uh, it develops some, but not a whole lot. If you take that wort after it's been boiled down and then dilute it back out to the wort before it was boiled, it's pretty close to the same color. I mean, it's, it's not really developing a whole lot. So uh, if, you, if you're boiling it at high concentration levels, so if you're not doing a full wort boil, then I could see avoiding 90 minutes. If you are boiling like a maniac, which I've seen some people do, where like there's four foot of you know, boiling wort leaping into the air, then I think maybe that's an issue. Then there's the people that are using like uh, you know, a welding torch to heat their, their wort. And concentrating all the heat in one tiny little spot on their kettle, that I could see being an issue. But if you've got a you know a flame that's you know normal and a boil that's normal, and you're doing full wort, I I think you're good. I I, I think sixty minutes, ninety minutes. Um, uh, but you know, both Tasty and I kind of felt like you know ninety minutes, ninety minutes. All right, <laughs> let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up with more of your questions right after this. Putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country. Wait, they just landed in Australia with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of mead on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the mead category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously. What? You're paying money for that watered-down mead when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? 
If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. Be a part of the BN Mead explosion and ask for, no, demand Moonlight Meads at your favorite bottle shop. Moonlight Meads. Girly names, manly meads. Hey, sign me up for that party. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we are able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Our good friend Brew Tattoo's here in the studio with us. and We started talking about uh, more sexually related things. Uh, who in the calendar we'd do. Uh, who in the studio we'd do. And how much beer that would take. The answer is pretty much everybody and everything. <laughs> yeah. All the beer and all the people. <laughs> Enough beer. It's like Caligula up in here. <laughs> I right. predict an empty beer fridge. <laughs> it's not hard to predict. You're like no Nostradamus <laughs> here. Uh, all right. Let's finish up this uh, show on uh, hopping. This one's from uh, Vaughn Vargo Alvarez. Summary. Should you adjust the alpha acids percentage of hops based on their age? Motivation. The alpha acids in the hops degrade over time. There are numerous online calculators that purport to calculate an adjusted alpha acid percentage based on age and storage methods. I started using these calculators when my one-year-old hops were producing beers that were lacking in bitterness and found that my beers improved as a result. Uh, Does hop age figure into your brewing calculations? Do you think it makes a difference? You know, um... So there are some well-respected breweries that do calculate. Because uh, when you buy your hops from the homebrew shop, you don't get hardly any information at all. 
when you buy them commercially, you get the hop degradation index, you get, you know, what it was measured at, you get all this stuff. And so you're able to calculate using that index what your bittering should be. I've heard a couple of things that, like, when the alphas drop in, the beta is, the effect of the beta is increasing, and so, as a home brewer, um, you know, I stored hops in my freezer in the, the Mylar sealed nitrogen flushed baggies, and there was very little degradation over time. I, you know, I... I concur. I got to the point where, like, this is meaningless. The the variability in bittering tends to be much higher based off of yeast pitching rates, yeast strains, uh, things like that are going to make a, a a bigger difference if you've stored your hops hops properly. If you're just storing them cold, not in a freezer, you know, sub zero, then I think you know maybe you've got more of an issue. But if you're storing them right, eh. what? Yeah. What if you kept the uh, the hops in? Because it seems like bags could fail. What if you kept them in like mason jars? Wouldn't a jar be a better option? If you flush the jar, yeah, yeah, you purge it with like CO two and then put them in there. Uh, nitrogen, argon. Did you ever have a bag? argon? Would be a good choice. You ever have a bag fail on you? <laughs> I had a little tear in my sack, and a lot of <laughs> blood came out. Yeah, <laughs> to go back to <laughs> one of those shows. Oh, oh, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I've had my sack fail. Um, you know the uh, thing about mason jars. I mean, you could do that. It's just going to take up a lot more room. Whereas the bags, you could store a ton of hops. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Assuming space isn't an issue. Well, what about I, the? Sorry, I bought on, a go. vacuum sealer unit. You know, like um, what they, from from the food store from mm-hmm. Smart and Final and stuff. In case your sack springs a leak, you can. It was, one of those, it was one of those food, Cauterizing. You know, yeah, vacuum sealers. You buy the the roll of bag and mm-hmm. make it, make it, and suck it out, and throw it in the freezer without air. And they've done a real good job in keeping them fresh. Yeah, temperature is the big thing. Yeah, you know, if you can, the colder you can get it, the slower everything happens. Yeah, I mean, dip, age dip. is is a big factor. Mm-hmm. Certainly, when I was when I was in South America last. Um, I ran across a couple of bags of Cascade that were must have been at least you know three four years old. They've been kept cold. They're always in the brewery's cold room, um, but they weren't you know in the freezer. And right. uh, those hops had very little aroma left. One of the things we do we have um, our main storage of unopened you know bricks of hops in the mylar bags from the uh, from the hop uh growers and those go in our regular coal box they're down in the 30s and then as soon as a bag is opened uh that's put in a storage a uh, a freezer we have a freezer that all the open bags go into and people work out of that as long as they're sealed they're they're you know much more um stable and then you know once they're open they'll go bad in a week or two uh, what about length of time? Can you store them in a, a sub-zero indefinitely? Um, yeah. I've had, them, I've had them a couple of years. Yeah, I've, I've done like four years. Really? Yeah. Oh. You think they could have gone longer? <laughs> yeah, I think if it's cold enough. I mean, if you went to absolute zero, uh, 
you know, if if I can't imagine that would damage them in any way, and nothing's happening at absolute zero anyway. So, you know, they should last forever at that point. All right, this next one's from uh, Vincent Altado, Altanado. Um, hey, Jamil and John, can I use expired canned hopped liquid malt extract to simulate the aged hop quality called for in brewing a Lambic? Uh, I'm interested in brewing a Lambic, but I do not have any aged hops, and the local homebrew store just recently opened, so their hops are all fresh. Therefore, I was wondering if the old hopped LME cans that I have around from when I first started brewing could be used to simulate an aged hop character. No. (laughs) No, huh? Have you tried that? Uh, No. Uh, You know, the old old cans of extract, they, they taste like old cans of extract. So yeah. the the problem is the malt character you're going to get is bad. Yeah. It tastes like ballpoint pen ink. So, huh. uh, and, you know, the, the, the thing about aged hops for, for Lambic, you're really not getting much flavor from them at all. That's not what you're doing. It's really just to get some properties. The theory is, is to get some properties that, you know, prevent, you know, a certain bacteria and, you know, but the breath still works or, or whatever it might be. So, But 15 can, IBUs worth at a 60-minute boil is will be fine in Alambic, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, I'd, I'd go even, you know, maybe seven. Yeah. A lot of people today are going around four or five IBU calculated. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little bit of hops at the beginning of the boil. That's it. Yeah, they don't have to be aged hops. They can be normal, right out of the bag hops. Yeah, and I wouldn't use something intensely flavored. Use something like a, you know, some mellow Kent Goldings, Fuggles. Those are good choices, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Lower alpha. Why don't you just? Alitao. Why don't you just send this guy some of the hops from your storage room before you dump them into your next Brewcaster Challenge <laughs> beer and lose your ass. <laughs> Hey, I need to hold on to those for, for in case I have to do another brewcaster challenge. Right, and in case we get assigned a, a cheese colch or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Isn't there supposed to be a loser round? I'm ready yes. for it, man. I still got those hops. Yeah, as brown as brown can be. Yeah, we're going to start drawing names uh, next, like, like rabbit pellets. Oh, perfect. All right, there you go. Thanks for all the questions. All right. Another fine show. If you're if you're listening live, stay tuned. We're going to do a uh, Q and A show on sour beers coming up next. How to brew sours and all the sour culturing stuff that you guys have wondered about. Got a good bundle of questions. If you have other questions, send them in to brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. We'll be glad to uh, get them into a show within the next ten years. I guarantee it. Uh, <laughs> we love getting your questions, and uh, we enjoy uh, doing the show for you. If you enjoy the show, check out our great sponsors. Especially Blickman Engineering, those guys, uh, Blickman with two ends, they're brewing, making all sorts of great equipment, innovating your brew day. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can also uh, check out the Brewing Network store, brewingnetwork.com slash store. There's shirts, hoodies, hats, glassware, books, uh, you name it, a lot of great things in there. And when you buy that stuff, all the profits go to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and help keep shows like this on the air. So until then, brew strong, everybody. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong.